Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. This is episode 86, and it's going to be kind of a different episode, sort of a two-parter, I suppose, if you will, because we've got a major event coming up just day, one day, two days, depending on how you look at it, before this episode comes out. And unlike a lot of episodes where major events happen and we forget, completely forget to schedule around it, <laughs> make plans accordingly, we're actually going to do something with this one. Uh, the When this one goes live, uh, the Saturday, well, all day that Saturday and the previous Sunday, uh, we will have gone and done Extra Life, which... I don't think I have to spend too much time explaining by now because the past two or three podcasts have gone over it. The short version, for, the short version for those of you who are just now coming into this, is that Extra Life is an annual event where people play games of all types all all around the country in order to raise money for sick kids who have to go into what's called long term care, which is basically means they kind of live at the hospital at least for a short time. So, yeah, we're playing for Children's Specialized Hospital, and hopefully by the end of this episode when we start talking to the people who are playing on the team, the people who come out for the event, hopefully I'll be able to future mic it and tell you that we raised a boatload of money for these kids. And, yeah, so look forward to that. Awesome. So what we're going to do is we'll do our normal banter, and then at some point uh, future Mike will hop in and... Uh, do his magic and things will happen. So, present Mike, <laughs> what what you been up to? I know you're going to be playing a whole lot of games in a couple of days, but have you played anything uh, in the meantime? I have gotten my hands on a game that was, for a while there, it was the new hotness, and it's been out of print for a little bit because it was the new hotness. Interesting. So it kind of fell off the radar. I don't own it, but I will tell you this, after playing it, the second they reprint this thing, I'm going to own it. And that is Star Realms. I don't know what this is. Star Realms, in a lot of ways, is your typical deck builder. You all start out with the same kind of cards. You deal those cards out. Oh, I have so many of this type of resource. I have so many of this type of resource. I use that to buy things or, or whatever. Have you ever played Ascension? You basically have the basic understanding of how this game functions. The, there are a couple twists, however. First off, this is just a two-player game. So it is basically mono a mono, you against another another player. The other version, where Ascension and a lot of deck builders like it, doesn't really have a lot of direct player interaction. The the interaction is more along the lines of, "Oh, you just bought that thing that I wanted." Star Realms, you are basically playing as the pretty much the head of a fleet and you're looking to destroy the other player you, nice. your cart uh, I told you that there are there are different types of resources one of them is trade which is how you buy new cards uh, the other is power and power is how you basically attack the other players and you can buy new ships to help either give you more trade or more power uh, you can buy bases. Which bases, in a way, again, kind of in the like Ascension but kind of category. Uh, there are bases that are just kind of there, and they give you random bonuses. Like, yeah, this one gives you one trade per turn. This one lets you discard and, and get new cards. This, you know, lots of stuff like that. There are other bases that pretty much block the attack of the other player until you destroy that base. Which means. If your base has the strength of five and the other person only has two power that round, they can't do anything to touch you. And so pretty much it is back and forth, trying to build up forces, trying to take down the other guy's forces um, as you take down the, the life or score in this game is called authority. So whoever whittles down the other player's authority first wins. And Oh my goodness, I have I've had so much fun with this game and the fact that when it comes out in in card form, it is a grand total of $15. Oh, got to love that. Yeah, I 
you That's know, like lunch. You know, a lot of people were talking about it when it first came out because of the price point and because it's a lot of fun. Um, I agree with all of it. And the second, I actually uh, after immediately after playing it, I went on to cool stuff to see if randomly they got any new. They haven't, but I immediately clicked the little button that says "email me" the second this thing gets more in stock because I I want it bad. It is a ton of fun. Well, I, I love the idea of the co- competitive or the direct action deck builder. Oh, and it, it gives you a lot, too. One of the other things that kind of adds on above, above and beyond the, the regular sort of deck building that we've come to know is uh, there are combos. Because there are factions in this game, and unlike regular, like Ascension, Ascension there are factions, but other than thematically, the it doesn't matter if you're one faction or the other. In Star Realms, uh, there are cards that say... It'll give you this, like, um, the, I, I only played it a little bit, so I don't remember all the different faction names, but one of them is, like, the Machine Cult. Now, say if you're playing a card that's a Machine Cult, and it gives you one power for playing it, but it'll also give you three more power if you're also playing another card from the Machine Cult. Nice. And, so that feels like Smash Up a little bit. Oh, yeah. It So, not only are you saying... I need to buy that because it has the most power. You also have to think of, oh man, this guy's really coming at me. I need more bases. Or this person uh, is is really trying to stockpile this, so I need to get cards that make him discard cards. Or my biggest thing is, for me lately, when I've been playing, I, I looked at it and said, all right, I have... Oh, the one group is called the Blobs. <laughs> and I'm like, I have like four Blob ships. So the likelihood that I'm going to get the ally effect from that card is super huge. And so there are times when I could get a bigger card, but I get a, a, a different card that's kind of weaker, but the ally effect I'm pretty confident I can get every time that card comes up. So it gives you a whole lot of strategy, and nothing says... Like, you can't pick your favorite faction either, because nothing says you're going to get a lot of those cards. Right. Yeah. So you're, it's not like some of the other card games where we talk about where you're playing a particular deck. All of the cards are in one big pile. Right. And you're trying, so it's a little bit more like, like a magic draft where, you know, there's different colored mana, but you get what you get. You can't just like draft them one. It's kind of, it's kind of like if magic and Ascension got together. Okay. This game would be the result. Yeah. You know, I think, Games, uh, Dominion and Ascension, awesome games, but I don't think there's really a reason to play them anymore. Does that make sense? These were games that uh, Dominion essentially created the genre. Ascension sort of cleaned up the genre, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, I'll I'll buy that. Right. Uh, But now, based off of that that framework, you get the cool stuff. You can get all this interaction. I don't think that... For me personally, I think that Dominion has kind of shuffled off into retirement, into that lovely age of retirement where where we all go, aw, let's go and visit Grandpa. Because, yeah, I think there are, are games that do what Dominion did better than Dominion. I think Ascension is almost there. Yeah, it's like 60 years old and about ready to retire. I think I think Ascension's still got some good times left. But I, I, would you say that if there wasn't the app? Yes, I, I will st- say that if there okay. wasn't the app. Because I, I don't do... see too many people going out there buying Ascension these days. See, that I think that is why I say there's a few years left to it. I think that people who have Ascension are still going to get Ascension to the table. Okay. I think that, that the fact that it's still, a, it's still a quality game... Yeah, I think in a sense it's become one of those... You can bring... Somebody will bring it to every game night. Right. And you can play it if you want to. Right. Uh, you know, Carsicone is somebody brings it to every single game night and you can play it if you want to. Um, 
And for me, those games are the games that fall into the category of, oh, good, I don't have to buy those. Right. Because somebody else will always bring it. (laughs) Like I said, I think there's still value in the game. I still play it. But I do think that it's on its way out with games like Star Realms, with games like Thunderstone, with games that are probably going to be coming out soon that we don't even know about yet that are building off of this deck builder legacy, as it were. I think it's on its way out, but I I still like it. Nice. So, Luke, what have you been playing? Well, uh, I've played a whole bunch of games that we've talked about on the show before. Only one that we've not talked about. It's a new game by Days of Wonder called Five Tribes, The Jins of Nakala. Oh, you played Five Tribes. I want to try this because I, you know, I don't get a chance to play a lot of quote-unquote heavier games. Like, I'm never going to be a heavy gamer. It's just I don't have that kind of patience. But there are kind of mid-level games that really strike my fancy, and I don't get to play them a lot. Five Tribes seems like it's right in there, and I I want to see what it is, because everyone's freaking talking about it. Yeah, I thought you were going to say this was like a heavy game, and it's it's really not. Um, No, I'd say it's a mid-weight game. Yeah, I think so. Uh, It's going to be tricky to describe, so feel free to ask questions if I don't explain this well. Uh, First, the conceit of the game. Okay, this is like old Arabia, right? Um... And the Sultan is dead, and now we are trying to take over uh, this land of Nakala. Uh, And so basically, here's what you get. You get a board that's constructed uh, from, I think it's 6 by 5, and the tiles are placed randomly. Okay? So you've got 30 tiles out there. And you look at the tiles, and each one has... Let me think. Each one has a point value, and a symbol on it. Okay? Okay. Just looking at that, you think, that's not too bad, right? Well, <laughs> the game starts out, there are, I think, four different colored meeples. Okay? And there's, I guess, 90 of them. Uh, no, let me see. Six times five, that's 30 times three. Yeah, 90. Um, and they all start off in a bag, and when you're assembling the game, and you, you're putting the game together... Uh, you, you're randomly pulling three of these out and putting them on each tile. So when you've never played the game before, you look at this thing and it's a 6x5 grid of tiles with three multicolored meeples on each tile. And you go, oh my goodness, what's happening here? But it turns out that it's really a whole lot simpler than it looks. It looks super complex. Um, But the way the game plays is this. You're going to have these meeples on a tile. And the meeples are various colors. Uh, Each of the colors represents uh, a certain type of villager. Uh, You have your elders, your viziers, uh, I think workers, something like that, uh, and assassins. And there might even be another one that I'm missing. But you get my... You get the gist. There are different color meeples. And the way it works is the number of meeples on a tile you choose is the number of steps you can take. And each step you take, you leave a meeple behind. So Right, you don't don't you like leave one and the last move you make right. you grab like all of them? And so the last move, whichever color meeple you use to make that last move, you take all of the meeples of that color. Okay? So now, the meeples have an effect. So, uh, the elders are worth a victory points, and they also let you use some powers. The assassins let you kill off meeples. The workers let you take resources. Uh, the viziers are just worth victory points. Um, so, that's one way you're... It's a victory point game. I guess I didn't mention that. Uh, so, that's one way you're developing victory points. Now, if you... When you land on that final tile, let's say you land on that tile with uh, a yellow meeple, and there's only yellow meeples on that tile. So when you pick it up, that tile becomes empty. You get to place one of your camels on that tile. It becomes yours, and you get the victory points at the end of the game, however many victory points that particular tile is worth. I think they're worth between anywhere like 6 and 15, give or take. 
maybe four and fifteen, something like that. Also, when you land your on your final tile, you can take the action that is on that tile. Now, there's four actions, or maybe six. I guess six, depending on how you force. Let me just list them, and we'll figure out however many there are. How about that? <laughs> this sounds like a plan. Uh, so there is place a palm tree, place an oasis, or place a uh, palace. And basically, what that does is it increases the uh, victory point value of that spot. And so you can have a spot that has six or seven palaces on it if you if people land there enough. And the, so the victory points on that just keeps going up and up and up and up. All of the victory point conditions in this game, they grow exponentially if you do more of them. So you you're, you really are driven to to pick a victory point type and try to do that a lot. Uh, your second option, and there are two different that allow you to buy uh, from the uh, resource market. And the reason the resources are important, there's two different kinds. There's your slaves, happy, but, you know, historic. And slaves allow you to do certain actions. And then there are resources. And by having various resources, if you have uh, sets of different resources, you get victory points at the end of the game. Uh, finally, there is the ability to buy a gin. And uh, you can use certain meeples and certain cards uh, if you land on this spot to buy a gin. And the gins give you either special abilities or special victory point conditions. Uh, just as an example, I had a gin that allowed me to use two elders to purchase any empty spot in the game. And it turned out to be incredibly powerful. And uh, a big part of the reason why I won the game that I was playing. Um, and so you continue to do this. And at first you start off... Oh, uh, also there's a bidding mechanic for turn order. Um, and that that's kind of important because money is also e- directly equivalent to victory points at the end of the game. If you end the game with 50 money, you have 50 victory points. Uh, we finished the game with about 150 victory points at the end of the game, so you can kind of get an idea of uh, what things are worth. Um, you start off the game, and it seems really, really simple, because there's all kinds of moves all over the board, because every spot is full of meeples. So you can do all kinds of things, but very quickly, you begin having to make really strategic choices uh, on what meeples you're going to move, and what becomes more important then is how much are you going to bid for turn order? Because you can look at the board, and if there's an awesome move on the board, you know that move is going to get you 15 victory points. Well, if you don't bid, somebody else is going to get those 15 victory points. Well, now you've got to decide. Uh, and each of the bidding spots is, you know, I think it's 1, 3, 5, 8, 13, 20, something like that. Uh, So you have to decide then, where am I going to bid? And if I get outbid, is that worth it? Um, It's a fun little game. Uh, The Jins really do add to the the tactics in the game. Um, Here's a question that I would put out there. It seems like you definitely had fun. But it also seems like it's a certain kind of gamer who would gravitate to five tribes. Absolutely. Is that is that right? Absolutely. That um, so I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, let me describe to you the story of our gaming session, uh, and no names, nothing like that. But uh, so we got in. I so I walked into the store, and I could kind of see where everybody was sitting and playing. There was already a handful, maybe five, seven, eight people, whatever, uh, at the table, and they were going through the the gaming group ritual, which is, well, what game are we going to play? And several of the people there were really clear. Like, I've never played anything harder than Monopoly. So, what should I play? Well, you know, Five Tribes is... I think it's still within the realm of the new hotness. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me, man? Everybody who talks about games is talking about Five Tribes. Or they're talking about the fact that they don't want to talk about Five Tribes. Like, everyone is mentioning this game. So, uh, so I kind of walk in, and uh, one of the guys that I play a lot of games with at Game Group notices me walk in and basically says, Yes, you're here. Awesome. We're going to go play this game together. 
because <laughs> the, he knew that several of the people in the group just could not get their heads around this game. It wasn't going to happen. If it's a, I've only played Monopoly, let me find out what this gaming thing is. Yeah, Five Tribes seems a little bit right, and then there, far. but but then you know there are other guys who maybe and girls who maybe like social games a little bit more. This is a gamer game. It's a lighter game, but it's a gamer game. You have to have that ability in your brain to problem solve and pathfind and think things out four steps ahead, or you're in not going to enjoy this at all. And it, it was actually fairly obvious in our playthrough. There was myself, the guy I described, another guy I played a lot of games with, and his wife. And you could kind of tell that his wife was not as much of a gamer gamer as he was, or as we were. And she suffered in the game. She, it took her a few rounds to really grok the thing, whereas somebody with a gamer background could like go as soon as the game was described we're like oh got it no problem and we're already now thinking on that next level of strategy and how are we going to play this game um so it is an interesting game in that it is a you know I really think we need words for these things <laughs> I really do because it's I I, I wasn't going to call it a euro game but it's not technically a euro game it's really not it's it's not a worker placement game. It's not. I, mean, I guess it's sort of an area control game. Whatever, but but okay. So we have mass market board games, which we never talk about on the show. Uh, I would say then you have games like Axis and Allies, games that or even Risk or some of the games that diplomacy are, games that are sold in the mass market but they're not like normal people games <laughs> you know you don't play that with the family at, at Christmas unless you got a special family <laughs> that, that is a special kind of family is what right. that is and then we have games and they, they are sometimes called gateway games sometimes they're called family games uh, but they're simpler games but definitely in the hobby board game wheelhouse. Yeah, we've talked about tons of these, right? Ticket to Ride, Catan, Pandemic. I think we even did a list of these, didn't we? At some oh, point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then there's Euro games. And generally when we talk about Euro games, we talk about these gnarly games that have like crazy victory point conditions and you got to figure out 15 moving parts like 17 different types of components, you know, just just crazy, right? But then there's that space in between. And we need words for the things in between. You know what I mean? Um, so this is a game that I would say is definitely more gamery. Is definitely more like you got to think about it and it's it's more about mechanics and like moving stuff around the board than it is save up. There's there's no risk in this game at all. There's no chance in the game at all other than the initial board setup. So it's you know what you're getting when you make your move. Right, absolutely. And it's not even like a game like Robo Rally where you can plan your move but other people's moves impact it. No, it's your turn, it's your board, you're making the moves and that's that. Right? You just have to look at the board and decide which move is the best one out of all of the moves on the board. Um, now, I understand that there's a two-player variant of this game that actually changes it pretty dramatically. And what the two-player variant does is each player plays two uh, turns. And so when you're bidding for turn order, you can now begin to set yourself up. So if you if you can bid yourself so you have back-to-back -back turns, for example, then you can start comboing your moves, and that changes things dramatically. But for the most part, if you're playing with four players, or three, I guess, uh, you were, they can't mess with you, other than maybe taking the move that you wanted to take, but then you just take another move. Um, 
so in that sense, it's it's very gamerish. But as much as I just described all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different victory conditions, and it's even got one of those seven wonders like charts, you know, where you fill it in <laughs> at the end of the game to figure out what all the victory con- conditions are and what all the victory points are. It's actually still really a very basic game. You're just moving meeples around it one square at a time. And so, yeah, I would say it's kind of a light game for gamers. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds pretty much right in line with, with what I've heard from the, the general gaming populace. It, it seems like something I'd want to try. I don't know if it'll end up in my collection, but it does seem like a game I want to try. Well, I played two of the big games from Gen Con this year. Uh, I've played Five Tribes, and I've also played... You did Imperial Settlers, Imperial right? Settlers. And I will say Imperial Settlers is way more my speed. Uh, way more the kind of game that if I was going to put money on one of the two, it would be Imperial Settlers. That said, if Five Tribes is ever there, I'm going to play it. Yeah, there's there's another game that came out, and it, it's set... It's by Asmodee, and uh, it's set kind of in the same universe as Seasons, and it's also a move here, take one of these guys, move here, take one of these guys kind of games. Uh, Lords of Exidit. And I want to try that one. Because I think that I think that one is kind of not quite Five Tribes, but kind of right where I want to be. And, and not only where I want to be, but where I think I might actually get it to my table. Because I have a funny feeling if I threw Five Tribes down, the gamers that are around me would have their heads explode. You know, it's it's really intimidating because of the look when right. you first play it. It does have something that I really like, and I wish that almost basically all games did this. Um, so each player gets a, you know, you you get these cheat sheets in games that that maybe they'll turn you to tell you the turn order, stuff like that. Well, in for the, future reference, game designers, all games should have reference cards. Well, but the thing is, is like back in the day, right? It was like a playing card sized reference card. This, this is slightly like, larger. This is like a half a sheet of paper printed on both <laughs> sides. And I mean, so you don't have to read the rules. You know, I mean, you do need to be able to, somebody has to read the rules to set up the board. But everything you need is right there on this thing. See, I like that. I do too. And that. But it also says something about a game. It says something about the simplicity of a a game. Because if you can put all the information you need to put on a half a sheet of paper, and by the way, the back half of this sheet of paper, all it was is descriptions of all of the jinns and what they can do. Because the jinns each have special powers. And the special powers are represented by iconography that like any other game where there's random iconography for special powers, could mean like 17,000 other th- things. that You have no idea what they mean by looking at the iconography. <laughs> the iconography is just there to remind you after you've looked it up in the book. <laughs> um, but the game has to, be, has to be really well made, really simple, simplified, or, or maybe a better word, streamlined, to get all of the relevant information on a piece of paper that big. You know, uh, and so a game like this, while it does have a lot of moving parts, it doesn't have a lot of, well, let's see, what's the right word for this? Complexity, maybe? Um, Vagueness, perhaps? Uh, You know, there's a lot of games where the things you are doing are, are almost kind of mysterious. You have to almost you have to ask, like, well, if I do this and I combo it with this, what's going to happen? Like, what what's the order of events that happens here? Or does this cancel this out? Or am I allowed to do this twice in a turn? Or whatever? This game has none of that. It's all very clear exactly what you can do. And yet there's enough that it keeps you interested. Sounds good. So, I think it's about time to invite Future Mike into the show. We're not quite at Future Mike yet. We do have. We I do want to talk about some of the stuff that we've got coming up, like the fact that we're going to record session. Well, our first, our second right. full session of Inroads plays tomorrow, so that's going to be coming up. 
that will be that will be good. I'm I'm being excited to just be able to get in and play because the last two times, the first time was character creation, the second one was I think didn't we do like half character creation and half gaming and half gaming. And so I'm excited to be able to just come at it fresh, start a session, play the game, and hopefully kill a kobold or two. <laughs> Maybe a I don't bugbear. Know, we- we did end last session with the shining scion of Moradin. <laughs> that was kind of an epic thing when you had my ghostly visage up on the table glowing. Like, what can I say? I have flair. You do certainly have flair. <laughs> or uh, Silas so, does, at least. <laughs> so we hope that you guys are going to like that. We're we're pretty new at this whole putting up game sessions. We're hoping to to get better and better at that. Oh, after, you guys, for sure. Come on, man. Go back and listen to our first episodes of this show. They were, well, they're about the same quality as we have now, so. No, uh, no. We're, we, mm-hmm. we upgraded our equipment along the way. We clearly sound better than we did back then. <laughs> no more intelligent, though. That's true. Maybe a little less. But uh, we hope that you guys like Inroads Plays. And, and I'm not kidding. If you guys like this and you let us know about the fact that you really like Inroads Plays uh, as we get better and better, one, tell us what you want. Like, one thing I wanted right off the bat was not a two-hour session on YouTube. So we're going to fix that next time. Tell us what you want, either in the comments here on this on this podcast or on Inroads, on the actual Inroads Plays page itself. Also, if you guys like this, let us know, because I'm totally up for not only doing this with 5e, because that was kind of our throwing our hat into the ring kind of thing but i'd love to do this with other games other game systems maybe bring in other people that isn't that aren't you know on the inroads staff i'd love inroads plays to be a thing that we do to explain to people to kind of break the stigma of getting into a system of role-playing game and also just to show people that this is a ton of fun and encouraging people to do this who might be kind of on the fringes wondering what gaming is like. So I want to do that, but I only want to do that if you guys think it's interesting. So let us know what you think about this and how we can do it better. Very good. Uh, okay, now I think we can get to Future now Mike. Now we can get to Future Mike. Future Mike! I've got four bread. Just gonna, real quick. Okay. <laughs> I will be bread queen. <laughs> I want that on the t-shirt. You can be, <laughs> you can be bread queen. I just want to win. <laughs> I, I, I will be bread queen. That's gonna happen. Hey guys, this is in fact Future Mike, aka the Bread Queen of Nottingham. All right. So before I go any farther, I'm probably gonna have to explain that one. What you just heard was a just a tiny snippet of audio from a game of Sheriff of Nottingham that we played during our Extra Life Marathon this past weekend. It's a game where you're trying to get goods to market past the sheriff's watchful eye. Now, occasionally you're slipping bribes or just convincing him that you should be led into market and kind of look away when you're bringing in valuable contraband that people are not supposed to have in the city. At the end of the game, whoever has the most of a certain basic good at market becomes the king of that particular item. The player with the second highest amount becomes the queen of that item. I am not so proud as to deny that I spent at least 15 minutes proclaiming loudly that I would, in fact, be the bread queen of Nottingham. Now, now we played for 24 hours, so this was just one story from a number of just insane moments that brought us to tears most of the time. In a good way. That same game saw my buddy Chris petting his white chicken in his lap as he proclaimed himself the Squawk Father. And then there's this little gem from my friend Kevin. Uh, Later on, we were playing a game of Zombie Dice during our dinner break, and he soared to victory from nothing to 12 points, almost in a single turn. And we asked him how he accomplished this, and, and, well, I could explain what you're about to hear, but some things just need to be experienced. I just witnessed the incredible. Um, my, my friend Kevin here just rolled an amazing bout of zombie dice, and we attribute it to his, his technique. Now, now, Kevin, how would you describe your zombie dice technique? 
See, you really have to get into the mindset of the zombie. Um, when the zombie's going after the people to, you know, get the brains, obviously, you have to you have to really get into the, the character and get into the feel. So when he's going after it, he, he thinks, you know, I'm hungry. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> and effectively, when you do that, somehow, I'm not sure if the, if the dice kind of are tuned to that or, you know, what's going on, but it seems to work. Well, well, thank you for enlightening us. We're sure that more people will adapt this skill at next year's championship games. Absolutely. Nom, 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 nom. Now, what if I told you that what you just heard was us while we were actually still sane? Strange, I know, but that was actually in the early evening. It was right around our dinner break. See, this game went throughout the night. This event was 24 hours, 8 a.m. to 8 a.m. And after a while, the game stories got to be a little bit, let's just call it weird. The first thing I want to share with you guys was, like, I could not shut up after Gen Con about the folks at Peaceable Kingdom and their games designed mostly for kids, but also for families. And and just because I brought every game that I owned to this event, Feed the Woozle was in it. And when you're really late at night and you have a small children's game and you have a hyperactive person who cannot help but just giggle excessively, you, you can't not make fun of that. And so uh, we had a reading of the rules for Feed the Woozle with a slight, slight derivation. That derivation being, we were going to feed the Katie, one of our team members. Again, I'm going to bring you to Kevin as he translates the rules of Feed the Woozle for a slightly different audience. Yes, so Feed the Woozle is a great way for the young Katie to learn body awareness, fine motor skills, dexterity, gross motor skills, and counting, all while having fun. In addition... Katie practices rolling a die, spinning a spinner, taking turns, and working cooperatively. The game has three levels of play with specific rules designed for age and development capabilities in Katie. As Katie grows, she moves to the next level of play, adding challenges at each age and level. But don't worry, Feed the Woozle is a cooperative game. We don't want Katie feeling down when she loses. All Peaceful Kingdom Preschool Skills Builder games are cooperative. That means all players play together against a common obstacle and not against each other. Players can help each other. No one is left out and everyone has fun. Cooperative games build a feeling of security for Katie. As the youngest Katie learning how to play games, they, self, they build self-esteem and cooperative habits in older Katies. But it really wasn't long until you could actually audibly hear as I was recording us playing games, that we were really, really starting to struggle, and there really, really wasn't a lot of energy left in the room. Like, I'm just going to share this small portion of a game of Cinelinks, which was a Kickstarter game that a friend of mine brought, which I'd never heard of, but is pretty much like a combination of Dominoes and Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Again, I could explain what you're about to hear, but it it wouldn't do it justice. So I'm I'm just gonna play this. Hello, internet. We're all like half asleep. You do know I'm gonna edit that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like. No, I, should... I probably probably will have a conversation at some point of being like, "Hi, it's now two in the morning. We've been doing this since eight in the morning previously. How are we doing?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just a chorus of groans. Yeah, just. There we go. Alan Arkin was in Argo. He was also in Edward Scissorhands with Depp, who was in both Fear and Loathing and The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Nice. Did anyone actually go see The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? Me. Nerd Ned, minus one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love The Imaginarium. That was a good movie. To the Netflix. It's quality. It is 248. It is 2.48 in the morning, and we decided about 10, 15 minutes ago to start a game of Quelf. I'm taking a break from the rules that I have to follow in order to make this little introduction. But uh, currently, we all have different rules that we have to follow. Most of them are speaking rules that require us to 
Ask permission to ask questions, add bleeps and censors in our sentences, and talk like gangsters and repeat everything we have to say. <laughs> so do enjoy uh, some of the sound bites you will hear uh, throughout the rest of this game. We have to, we have to share rules now, don't we? If you're on the same, I command you to be silent. <laughs> we do. I command you to be silent. <laughs> I don't even know your rules. Can I see your rules? Are you uh, talking to me? I have, I have, excuse me. <laughs> I feel a question coming on. Can I see your rules, please? Are you talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. Better be talking to me. Okay, <laughs> what's the other one? I feel a question coming on. What's the other one? It's another rule. Very exciting. While it's not your turn, continuously sing 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Oh my god! Discard this card if you roll a three or get to one bottle of beer on the wall. Wait, if You may stop singing if this card conflicts with any other card, but must resume singing once that card is discarded. You can't have two talking rules. You talking to me? Okay, for the sake of us all, I'm gonna stop playing sounds from that game of Quelph. I will say, however, that Quelf is a game that's best played when there is massive amounts of sleep deprivation and you barely understand the words that you're speaking. <laughs> Look, there were a lot of other games played that night, and we even have audio for some of them. But I want to transition now to hear from some of the team members that were part of the 2014 Inroads regulars. Uh, Chris North, whose voice has probably been familiar to some of you guys, as he has appeared as a guest host on the show before. Uh, I asked Chris to take the mic around and talk to some of the team members, kind of figure out why they got involved with Extra Life, what they love about the event, and uh, some just to hear some stories about what happened at the event and some of the things that they love. So I'm going to give it to Chris, who starts off with a brand new gamer who came out to the event. Hi, this is Chris North, occasional correspondent for Inroads Ministries and Game Store Profits. I'm here with Mark Puccio, who is new to uh, board gaming and tabletops. Uh, so Mark, can you tell us what, what's been your favorite game that you have uh, experienced so far today? Uh, well, I played a lot of great games, but uh, I really enjoyed this one we played. It was called Ticket to Ride. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. And do you think that this will be a uh, kind of a gateway into you doing more uh, tabletop gaming and board gaming in the in the future? Yeah, I think I like to. Um, it was cool uh, meeting some some new friends and uh, getting out there. I'm really enjoying the whole strategy of the uh, the whole gaming experience. It's pretty cool. Awesome. Tabletop gaming is a great way to make uh, new relationships and uh, meet some new friends. So, thanks for your time. Of course. Thank you. All right, we're here with Katie Showtech. Katie, can you tell us what is uh, what is it about Extra Life and the 24-hour game-a-thon for Extra Life that uh, wanted to make you be a part of it today? People think it's all fun and games, but staying up for 24 hours is not the easiest thing to do. So I think it's harder than people would think it is, and it really enlightens people to... I didn't know we had a specialized children's hospital in New Jersey, so it kind of... Let's people know kind of what's where and gives them a chance and opportunity to donate and be a part of something that they didn't even know existed. So it kind of helped broaden your scope of uh, charities and, and organizations that need help that you didn't even know existed while getting to do something you really enjoy doing. Definitely. All right, we're here with Joy Stolberg, who's uh, going to share with us a little bit about... Um, her reasons for getting involved today, Joy. What about uh, what about Extra Life turned you on to the whole idea of uh, being a part of the event today? I think it's really wonderful that we're able to gather together and play games, and even more so that we can raise money, you know, for other people. Um, being able to help other people while doing something you love. Anyway, how great does it get? It's perfect. 
Great answer. Um, is there a game that you haven't played today that you're looking forward to, or a game that you did play that you particularly enjoyed? Yeah, no, I um, played, or we played Ticket to Ride today, and it's always fun to teach other people new games. Um, and I'm also looking forward to playing Agricola, which we haven't played yet, but there's always new and new and exciting games to play here. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for your time. No problem. All right, this is Chris again, corresponding for uh, the Inroads Regulars and Game Store Profits, here with Kevin Stolberg. Kevin, what is it that got you... Uh, interested in being a part of uh, the Gameathon day for extra life mike ran this last year and i couldn't make it last year because i was sick and uh, my wife made it out so i wanted to make sure i could support him and play lots of games for a long time but i'm falling asleep and doing run-on sentences sentences so we'll see how long goes what's what's been your favorite part about the the day so far any favorite games any favorite moments um so i was really trying to win sheriff nottingham but this one person would not let me connive my way into helping her out at the same time for some reason she likes to you know lose and it just didn't happen so that's okay she if she likes to lose that's fine but you're starting to sound a little sore there, but uh, I wasn't all all in this all in the, all in the spirit and the creativity of play, right? All in the spirit and creativity. It's all about the kids, you know. Think of the children. We also have Alyssa here, and she's going to let us know why uh, why she wanted to be a part of uh, Gameathon today and what Extra Life meant for her to to be a part of this event. Hey, yeah, uh, I've actually known uh, Perna for a while. And uh, this was kind of just one of the other events he did. Like, he would always uh, get the get the youth group I used to go to interested in gaming. He would bring games sometimes. And this was kind of just another thing to hang out with Perna and a bunch of other cool people and do fun things and end up being for a good cause. So I'm here again. That was great. Do you have any favorite uh, favorite games or favorite moments of the of the day and night and wee hours of the early morning. Uh, well, there were a lo- there were a load of great moments. Uh, I <laughs> was was one of those moments possibly uh, not assisting someone in a in a game of Sheriff of Nottingham that we may have interviewed earlier. Yeah, Sheriff of Nottingham was a really fun game, and. Uh... Thanks to uh, some wheeling and dealing and some uh, refusing to take crap from certain other players, Kevin. Uh, I did. I did manage to win, and uh, I I felt pretty proud of that. Seeing is uh, is my first time playing it, and it was a game that hasn't been released yet. So felt it's a little bit special. Do you think that if uh, Inroads runs this event again next year to raise money for Extra Life, it's something you'd want to be a part of again? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think I'm certainly going to be a little more insistent with uh, friends and family about getting to uh, donate money since uh, it's a little low this year. But uh, still, I think our team managed to put together a great effort. And we uh, so far we've raised about $900, but uh, we'll see if that number goes up as uh, the hours go by. All right, that's great. Thanks, Alyssa. No problem. Finally, for the evening, we have with us Officer Bob. And Officer Bob came to us late in the evening. Officer Bob, how did you enjoy your experience with some of the games that earlier tonight you said, I've never heard of any of this crap. How did you feel playing playing one or two of them and uh, taking a peek at some of them? Uh, it's for a great cause. I was fine with it. It was nice to play with some good people, meet some nice people, and uh, it was a good time. A lot of laughs. I can see how it gets crazy. I have no idea how you stay awake this long because, believe me, from being an officer, it's not easy. And, uh, again, I don't know any of those games over there on the shelf. But I thank you for the opportunity. I wish you guys the, all the luck with you know, your donations and the good cause. Uh, well, thank you. Hopefully you'll be able to join us for the whole event uh, next year for the whole 24 hours. All right, again, this is uh, Chris representing Inroads Ministries, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you guys again soon, and uh, see you next year at Gameathon. As you can probably tell there, the interviews, much like the game recordings, became less about technical prowess and journalistic acumen and 
more about recording the stumbling antics of the sleep-deprived. I will clarify that we were visited by one of our local police officers. We weren't being rowdy or anything, but in a town as small as ours, there really isn't much going on in the wee hours. So between patrols, he came by and kind of checked up on us, made sure everything was okay. This event is special for me for a number of reasons. It's gamers getting together to do something powerful in the lives of others through the games that they love. In this case, that means that kids in need of long-term hospital care get the help they need without worrying about whether or not the equipment is up to date or whether or not they'll be able to afford their medical bills. This year, however, this event was particularly meaning for me for an entirely different reason. See, shortly after the recording you heard of Luke and myself sharing the the usual banter, um, my wife had to be taken to the emergency room. As I've mentioned a handful of times before, she was diagnosed bipolar at an early age, and that occasionally means that her mind becomes overwhelmed with stress and chemical imbalances, and she no longer has control of her thoughts and actions. It's, It's rare, but after days in the ER, almost a week of in the behavioral wing of the hospital, and a lot of sleepless nights for both of us, it felt really good just to get to this event and to play. See, my wife had been out of the hospital for a handful of days at that point. She was mostly herself again, but still hadn't completely gotten out of the woods yet. As you might have noticed, my voice was missing from the later parts of that recording. I had to leave the gaming in order to be with my wife, who was having a really hard time sleeping in the next room. I want to thank Chris and the whole team for carrying on with an event that really meant a a lot to both of us. Um, I I thought about canceling it and just literally just avoiding the whole thing and just spending time with my wife, but she pretty much looked at me and, and pretty close to demanded that we keep going on because she knew it was important to me and it was important to the ministry and she she knew that this was going to be helping kids so she wanted us to keep going i really want to thank pretty much everybody who made this happen either by donating or by playing with us or by helping us set up uh if you'd still like to donate and you missed the event there is still time to support us as we're supporting Children's Specialized Hospital. Uh, As I record right now, we are just shy of $1,000 raised. Uh, We would really love to see that $1,500 goal that we set uh, reached before the end of the year. I hope that you please consider following the link that I'll post with this episode and and give generously. It, It means a lot to myself, to my wife, and to the rest of the team. That being said... I'll leave you with our usual benediction. Always remember that God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.